the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker. I am your host. And one of the areas that culture is drastically and quickly changing, we, we talk about this regularly on this show, is as it relates to gender ideology. We've talked a lot about that and what's being taught in schools and how it's being handled in places uh, really across our country. Uh, culture has shifted on this issue, and we're still trying to figure out how to navigate through that. Along with that has come a different perspective on children. Uh, pedophilia is something that we once certainly knew about and talked about, but did our very best to protect our children against and now, as the gender ideology movement is becoming so pervasive and so accepted in our culture and our society, the downward slide of that is a discussion about the age of consent and what that means as it relates to children and when children can decide that they want to be a gender other than the one they were born with. Uh, these questions are confusing. They're hard to navigate. We see things happening across the country that we don't understand. Uh, very grateful to have back on with us today a guest who writes on this, who does videos uh, long form and short on her YouTube channel, who is very involved in communicating some of these issues uh, and helping us to understand it. Sydney Watson is with us again. Very grateful to have her on. And I know that this interview, this conversation will be one that can help you navigate uh, a world that is changing so quickly around you. It's great to have back on with us Sydney Watson. Sydney is the star of the Sydney Watson YouTube channel, political commentator and journalist. Has been with us before. Sydney, thank you so much. I know it wasn't easy to get here. A lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, but yeah. you made it. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yes, you're right. It's a. Uh... Anybody who follows me on Twitter will know yesterday, traveling was not fun. <laughs> I, I am in solidarity with everybody who suffered through airlines recently. It's crazy. We have a team from our organization that was traveling overseas, and they had a bunch of equipment with them, and six large bags of equipment are stuck somewhere in Austria. They didn't even make it to where they were going, so... That's kind of uh, where we're living right now, which is crazy. I am not surprised at all because even you, you listen to people at the airport who have flights canceled, which was happened to me yesterday, and everybody has some sort of crazy story about yeah. something that got lost or, or they yep. got rerouted. Oh, my God. It's, it's nuts right now. It is crazy. But the world goes on. And, um, man, we're in a crazy time. I was excited you were coming on because I wanted to talk about this. I've wanted to talk about this with someone for a while. Um, it's it's a the general topic is is women and children in American culture maybe maybe global culture I don't know but um, I, I was raised in a very conservative home and part of that meant that when my little sisters got into some kind of trouble because they mouthed off to somebody my dad expected me to do whatever I had to do to take care of them right so if they got in trouble because they did something stupid it was my job as their brother to take care of them. 
And I was raised at a time and in a home where caring for women, caring for children um, was, you know, a high virtue. It was one of those things that we were expected to do. And then growing up and getting married and having daughters of my own and a wife who is, you know, successful and is, um, the word feminist has been so broken that it doesn't mean the same Mm -hmm. thing it used to, but, but she is very strong and she leads and she gets a lot done. Um, my daughters, I've taught to do the same and, and we're in this weird time where that doesn't seem to be okay anymore. And I don't understand it. Um, general question, and then we'll dive into some specifics. Uh, you as a, uh, young, conservative woman who talks about these things, writes about these things, does videos on this. Uh, what is it like for a young conservative woman in American culture right now? And then we can kind of go deeper from there. Oh, that is, do you know how big a question that is? It's uh, a big question. That's huge. And I've kind of gone through a bit of a metamorphosis recently where some of my opinions that used to be quite regimented have changed a little bit because mm. I've always been anti third wave feminism. I've always sure. thought that that's so it's corrosive. It has a lot of corrosive ideologies that go along with it. A lot of man hating that I just can't get behind because probably the opposite of what you were taught, but in the same vein growing up, it was, you know, men and women are equal. Men are great. Men are tremendous in their own way. And, and we do not attack them for the, you know, the myriad of things they do differently. And so I was brought up with that value system. So being a young right leaning woman or, you know, conservative, hmm. I suppose in some way, um, it's interesting because I see on one hand, there's a growing discontent with towards women where right. people promote the ideology that perhaps women are not as clever or perhaps women shouldn't vote and these sort of things. And I know some of it's said in jest, but I think it overarchingly implants the idea into women that they don't have a seat at the table. So I think that's corrosive. But then the other side of things is that women often scream and shout in a way that's also unhelpful and then, you know, promotes that, you know, oh, you know, no seat at the table for women. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's hard to explain. Yeah, it does. And what what I struggle with, as a again, as a conservative, as a, a dad and someone who cares for the women in my life, um, my daughter is 20, almost 23 years old. She goes to a university here in California and she's as independent as a, a person as, as you, you would want to meet. Um, I, I always joke, she always says, I don't need a man in my life. I'm like, you have one. It's me. Like, like I'm the man in your life and you can yeah. move out and do your own thing. Right. But we talk about that and I feel like so much progress has been made away from some of what you just described and mm-hmm. uh, women standing on equal footing and having, you know, many of the same opportunities. And we could talk about, you know, challenges and so forth. But but now we're at this this time where all that women have fought for. What the feminist movement once stood for. Um, now we're being told that it's not important and that women don't matter or that they should minimize who they are or the differences that even men can be women. And, and I don't understand how we've gotten to that place. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that this is, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I think that what we're seeing is the cannibalization of the feminist movement by the trans movement. Mm. So I do think that in a lot of ways, there has to be some misogyny present and some sexism present for the prevailing ideology to be that anybody can be a woman, because realistically, you can't. And so when you have biological men invading female spaces, which is 
happening. I mean, it's happening in sports. It's happening when it comes to change rooms and locker rooms. It's happening when it comes to, you know, uh, I suppose pools and things where, you know, you have people who say they're women getting changed around biological women and making them very uncomfortable. Mm. There's all these situations in which men have invaded female spaces. And so we're sort of pushed out of the equation when it comes to talking about that. This is this whole, we don't have a seat at the table thing right. where when we try to speak about it, we get called transphobic or when we try to say, Hey, wait a minute. No, no, no. Let's, let's embrace ladies. Because I think there are a lot of brilliant women out there who have right. so much to say, so much to offer. And yet for some reason, none of that matters. And I think that there is some sexism that comes from the far right on the right wing, which is annoying, but there's also a tremendous amount that comes from the left who are the people who say that they're fighting for women's rights. It's like, it's, it's, it's really challenging. Actually. It's very annoying. It's very annoying. Yeah. (laughs) As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the My Slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. Well, when we talk about the transgender movement, um, one thing that's been curious to me is that those who have long talked about women's rights and mm-hmm. fought for you know feminist ideals are extremely silent. They're not pushing back on uh, men and women's sports. They're not pushing back on the idea that <laughs> it, it, it's a false idea, but that a man can get pregnant, that... Um, there aren't men and uh, women, there's birthing people or how, like everything is changing and mm-hmm. people who have fought for generations to give women a seat at the table, to make it possible for them to lead companies and, and to be independent. These people are not saying anything and that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think feminists as a general rule, and I think I've come to learn a little bit more about them recently because I have some friends now who are very, very feminist and who think similarly to me where the people who used to be the proponents of women and who rightly, you know, I guess, tried to achieve necessary things for women. Nowadays, it's odd. There's two factions of this. They either completely agree with the trans ideology, with gender ideology, and participate in that to the point where they actually focus more on the rights of transgender yeah. women yeah. than that of biological women. And that's interesting. And I and I would say to any of your listeners, go and look up the Instagram page feminist. It's just feminist. Hmm. And tell me what you see and what it will be. And I hope that they will observe the same thing as me. It's all about trans people. Right. So that's one side of the feminist issue. And then the other side, these other voices are the ones that are, uh, you know, the trans exclusionary radical feminist types that believe that no biological man can ever be a woman. And that's fine that they're entitled to that view. But the way they promote that message is so not helpful because they exclude women like me who go, I don't agree with you on everything, but I desperately want to fight for the cause of women. And they go, no. And I think this, we're just, there's no good messenger. There's no good messenger for any of this. Um, 
Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions, okay. but, but it's, it's just, it's so confusing to me because we have gone so far into um, this identifying with our sexuality, identifying with um, mm-hmm. what we choose to be true in spite of what may be actually factual. There is science, there is truth, there is reality. Mm-hmm. And we have accepted that anyone can say anything at any time and we need to protect Really, what at one time would have been considered a mental disorder for a lot of people, um, and, well, yeah. and and still is classified that way in a lot of places. We need to protect that. Now, I believe we need to protect people. I believe we need to help people. I believe we need to encourage people. I'm not against helping people, but mm-hmm. but buying into this false notion of who they are or what they should be. How have we come to this place where we're willing to push off what is true? There are men and there are women. Um, there are biological factors that we're, you know, we're born with, we're conceived with, and we're born with. We're willing to push off all that is true to insulate or isolate or help or prop up a group of people who are pushing a narrative that is absolutely false. How do we get to this place? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the primary thing that, uh, you know, people make fun of Ben Shapiro for saying, oh, you know, facts don't care about your feelings, but (laughs) there is this huge emphasis and this huge push that feelings supersede reality. Right. And it's, I mean, I'm sure that you've observed that. I mean, you, you're, you work in this, in the media space too. We see this all the time that feelings and the way that you feel and your truth supersedes what's actually happening around you. And so in a way you can sort of redefine reality based on how you feel about that reality. So I, I think that that's kind of what we're seeing and that's probably in a lot of ways how we got to this point. Cause even I remember many moons ago when I was at university, which was just such a such a you know a ball breaking exercise it was not fun uh, and i was sitting in these classes and i did one feminist class actually um and i remember sitting there listening to these people talk and i thought oh it's just all flim flam everything that comes out of your mouth is yeah. flim flam but it was all predicated on how they felt internally um and so in a lot of ways it i mean that's that's sort of what gets ingrained is that how you feel is the most important thing yeah how does one overcome that? I don't know, because this is what society is propping up right now. Do you feel, and you've got a huge following, do you feel like you have a better uh, platform or opportunity to speak about these things than, say, I would if I sat down and if I decided I want to have a YouTube channel that talked about gender issues and ideologies mm-hmm. and those things? Um, do you think you have a better opportunity or platform to do that as a woman than someone who's not? Yes and no. I think that as far as being female goes, obviously I have a unique perspective on this because I am a biological woman. Right. Um, and a lot of what is happening is attacking that. So the erasure of women is mm. 
focused on pushing us out of circles, erasing language surrounding us, you know, with this cervix haver or yeah. wound carrier <laughs> right. or whatever other dumb language yeah. comes up. But on the other hand, I feel like, and I think this is even true in feminist circles, they're more accepting hearing this information from men. Interesting. Is that not the strangest thing? That's strange. It's, it's very bizarre. They're, they're, more, they're more inclined to hear this from, say, Matt Walsh than they are to, you know, some other woman who, who might speak up about it. So when you have women like J.K. Rowling speaking out, that's really interesting because she is she is an enormous platform. And yet she still gets attacked by the very women who are supposed to be on her team. What's the reason for that? It's a, I don't know. I think that there's a natural cattiness and there's a natural sort of women trying to beat each other out type thing. Because, I mean, I think that by and large, we don't see men as competitors. We see them as in their own league. Mm. And men are much better at lifting each other up. I think this is true of, of most men. If a man is falling behind, they'll reach out and pull them up with them. Whereas women, my mom has always said this, and I think this is a good example. If a woman's climbing a ladder and there's another woman behind her, a woman will just like kick the one behind her <laughs> off the ladder. Right. And I think that's quite true. And so I think you see that a little bit in this conversation where women don't want to step back to let, you know, someone who say who's more educated talk about an issue. And I, it's not to say that, you know, there's a hierarchy like that. But if someone's more, you know, educated, I'm happy to be like, you go for it. You right. say all the things. But that doesn't really typically happen too much. So how do we uh, regain the narrative on, you know, so many of these issues on the, the, the gender issues on the, you know, men? Are men, women, are women biologically, and how do we, how do we, how do we turn this discussion around or this conversation around? Ah, I don't know. That is a great question. Um, I think it starts with mm, perhaps actually defining things. I, I uh, participated in a, a filming an episode of something yesterday, and I noticed that everybody got really caught up in the mucky muck of, dis of defining what's the difference between sex and gender. Now, I don't think there is a difference personally, but right. this is where a huge portion of the transgender TRA leftist argument comes from is that they will argue until they're blue in the face, but there's a differentiation there. Now, if we were to come through and go, no, there's not, even if they disagree, at least we're arguing from a pretty solid starting point. But reeling all of this back, I honestly, I don't even know to be, to be quite fair with you because we're really at a point where if you speak out about this, you come into contact with a myriad of different punishments. So, I mean, for example, J.K. Rowling is a great one. She spoke out about the fact that sex is real. Sex, biological sex is real and yeah. it's legitimate. And to erase yeah. that is ridiculous. And she's been docked. She's been attacked endlessly. There was another woman uh, at the end of 2019, oh, sorry, 2018, who spoke out on Twitter and made a comment at a transgender woman and basically called uh, that person a man and the police showed up at her door and they actually arrested her and she recently beat that conviction. There was another woman, I believe at the end of 2021, same thing in the UK, the police showed up at her door for misgendering somebody on the internet. We have all these structures that are built against us so that when we do speak out, we are legitimately threatened, or at least in the UK, I don't know if that would happen here in the US, but we are legitimately threatened with legal action. We are legitimately threatened with losing our jobs, losing our livelihoods. Yeah. How does one overcome that? I'm, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting you say you don't know if that would happen in the US. If you had asked me a few years ago, I would say it would never happen in the US. But now mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it may very well, and we may get right. to that point, which is why this is such an important discussion, because it's not 
it's not simply academic. And I think some people, when you again, you talk about sex and gender, what's the difference? Well, that's that's an academic or philosophical argument. Or right. you know, can can a person identify themselves as anything that they want to be? Well, they should be allowed to. We have all of these conversations, but it's not academic because <laughs> this goes from a conversation about gender to a conversation about. Um, the role of even children in society and how we view children through a you know a sexual lens. This is something that Oof. you have done an incredible job um, documenting and talking about, and I applaud your you know your creativity, but your bravery in doing it. You, you recently put out a video. Um, I think his name is Helmut Kentler. Is that right? Yes. yes. And some of his some of his experiments. And, and if you want to talk about that, I, I'd invite you to. But. This this is all connected to me, at least in my mind it's connected. What we're arguing about, what we've said we don't care about, well, we don't care about the gender thing anymore. We don't care about how people identify themselves and what they say they can do. And the natural kind of downhill slide of that is, well, then how do we view children in a society that has sexualized everything? Um, maybe talk about that for a minute, because it, this is why this is why this is important to me. Yeah, so um, for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, Helmut Kentler was a German sexologist. And it's so funny because when you talk about any of these people who pioneered gender theory, which, you know, John Money, for example, was another sexologist, a, a New Zealander who was, he did some really horrible stuff. I'm sure people are familiar with him. But Helmut Kentler is somebody who effectively, and just to summarize, he put foster children in the homes of known pedophiles for no other purpose really than to determine if a pedophile could be a, a decent caregiver to otherwise unwanted kids. Mm -hmm. And the net effect of that was that multiple, multiple men now have come forward to speak about it. There's only a handful of them, but this was state sanctioned by the Berlin government or, or the Berlin state government until the, the early 2000s. And people find that mind-blowing when you tell them that. This didn't end really sort of until 2003. And that's the last that, that we know about it. And any other information, it, it's very challenging to get your hands on. Right. The few people who've tried looking into it, they get really stonewalled. There's all this unsorted information in government buildings that they don't have access to. It's just horrible how they've tried to hide it. And what people don't realize is that Germany, not just Germany, but Germany specifically, because that's where this case happened, has a very long and bizarre history with pedophilia because pedophilia made its way into the mainstream in the Greens party, which actually had in a, in a lot of ways, they were sort of the parliamentary arm of the pedophile movement, which wow. is crazy to think about, yeah. right? Like yeah. who could even imagine that the people who go, no, climate change, were also <laughs> the same people right. who were like, you know what, abusing children mm -hmm. and putting them in the homes of pedophiles yeah, is a-okay. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. They wanted to get rid of the age of consent between adults and children, between sexual relations. They wanted to do all these crazy things that today we find abhorrent. But realistically, and, th and I, this is the connection I always try to make, is that what we were seeing with Kentler's experiment, with the abuse of these children in these pedophile homes, which again, state-sanctioned and state-funded, people go, we would never see that again today. Well, we mm. are, because it's yeah. making its way into the schooling system, where you have all these crazy teachers doing all this insane stuff to their children, exposing them to inappropriate ideas. You see it with, oh, let's take our kids to drag time story hour, right. and all these type right. of things. It's just, we are seeing it on repeat, because we learn nothing. We learn nothing from history. It's crazy. Why aren't people standing up against that? I, I, I can't remember if it was you that posted a video. I've seen it somewhere where it's some kind of a parade, something's happening, and there's a drag queen, whatever. Um, 
helping a child who's a part of this parade pole dance and there are people like walking past pushing strollers like it's a normal like like a patriotic parade holiday or something no one's saying anything no one's stopping it why have we or how have we come to the place where i mean it wasn't that long ago people like that go to jail i mean it's we don't even have a discussion like no you go to jail for that but now we just kind of accept it as as part of the mainstream. Kids have always been the the group of people that are untouchable. We we don't we we protect them. We keep them away from these things. We don't let them watch things on television. How do you get to this place? How do we get here? So the video that you're referring to, I think it's it's the one with that little. I think it's a boy who's actually wearing a skirt who's trying right. to climb up that, this that's stripper the one. pole. Yeah, yep. yeah, that actually happened in Pennsylvania. Um, and I posted about it and a bunch of my followers in Pennsylvania were like, oh, no, this isn't like a red area, which yeah. is crazy to me that yeah. that happened in, in a conservative yeah. you know, majority place. So this is another challenging one, because, again, when you remove safeguards for children, you end up with these sort of things. And like you rightly said, these people in days gone by would go to prison. This this wouldn't be acceptable at all. Or at least if they didn't go to prison, they would be publicly shamed and yes. on, a, on a wider scale. I think. What we're seeing a little bit is, again, the cannibalization of the child protection movement, or at least, you know, general, the general sentiment towards, you know, preserving childhood. Right. Right. It's being cannibalized by this LGBTQIA XYZ trans movement. And the reason I say that is because the way they justify this is they go, that's a that's a queer kid. And so the queer kid is embracing their queerness, being exposed to these queer ideologies and these and this fun queer stuff. And so they can climb on the stripper pole with the half naked, you know, lady man right next to them. (laughs) And so I think that's really what it comes down to is in this effort to push, oh, you know, let's be inclusive. Let's be tolerant. Let's teach children that there's not one way to be a person, which I mean, like, by and large, I agree. There's not one way to be an individual. If you like, you know, cake, you like cake. If you like pink, you like pink. But not to the extent that you say to, to this small child, you're now trans, you get on the stripper pole, little trans child. Like, right. how, did we, how did we even think that that was ever going to be okay? It's, it's mental to me. And it, it, living in the United States and someone who's been in our military and, you know, fought for presumably the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans and the Constitution. And I, I completely disagree with the notion of transgenderism and all the ideology and everything that comes along with it. However, I believe that living in the United States, if that's how you want to behave and that's what you want to do, that's, that's, that's on you. You can, you can do that. You're an adult. You have the opportunity to make those decisions where I have a hard time and and should, and most of us should, and and traditionally did is by allowing kids to (laughs) make these decisions. They're not mature enough to decide (laughs) if they should go to school or, you know, eat their vegetables or brush their teeth. And yet we're allowing them to, go through processes of changing their body in a way that can't be changed back. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what, what the end is. I don't know where we go from here. And I don't know how we get back to a place of sanity. Um, why is it that those, I, I don't want this question to sound wrong. It will sound wrong, but um, <laughs> okay. I, I think, I think all of us should do something to stop it. So I'm not letting people off the hook who aren't stopping it, but why is it that people traditionally on the left are now so enamored with sex and sexuality and find so much identity in that. Again, I think people across the spectrum should stand up and say, look, we're not going to treat kids this way. We're not going to allow these things to happen. It's not going to be taught in our schools. Uh, Let's get Mm -hmm. back to math. Let's try to figure that out before we get back to these other things. 
Why is there such a, a focus on, on that in terms of worldview for those on the left? Well, I think it's always been ingrained in the worldview. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, the, the Helmut Kentler was uh, was a leftist. Yep. John Money, I believe, was a leftist. Some of these other really well-known sexologists also leftists who were part of the pro-pedophile movement and who were very open about it, too. That's the other thing. Yeah. And so really, if... I think what a lot of people forget or perhaps they're not aware of and so they don't know the origins. And this is why I think history is incredibly important. Like you said, that should be taught in school. Maybe right. not all the crazy gender stuff. Right, right. But when you look at who the founding fathers of gender ideology were, they're pedophiles. The person that coined the term cisgender, you know, that horrible yeah. thing that they used to refer <laughs> to us, uh, you know, quote unquote, normal people. Right, right. That was coined by another sexologist and a pedophile sympathizer called Volkmar Sigush in 1991. He was the one who, who coined that term that is now used endlessly to describe people like you and me. Again, John Money, the founding father of modern gender theory. In fact, he pioneered the transgender movement. He was the one who tried to prove that there is a differentiation between sex and gender, which he prove that there isn't actually quite well. So when your basis for a lot of this is grounded, not in the, you know, obviously in the fact that the individuals, the forefathers of this were leftists, it kind of makes sense to me that would flow on. What I do think is happening too, a little bit is tribalism has taken hold. So mm -hmm. everyday people who are, you know, who are democratic and are, are on the left somewhere, they go, oh crap, no, this is insane. But they can't say anything right. because they feel as if they will be attacked in the same way that you and I are. Now, we don't care. I have to assume you don't care. Don't care. Because I certainly don't care <laughs> don't what care. the left have to say. Yeah. yeah, nope, who cares because they're lunatics. So we don't care when they call us names. However, going against your own tribe, that is scary. And that probably stops the, you know, more regular people who yeah. think that way uh, from speaking out. And I think that's really sad because their voices are meaningful and they matter, especially for these parents who are like, ah. I was just in LA, just a little, quick little tidbit. I'm sorry I'm talking so much. No, but it's good. I was just in LA um, and, you know, having to do all the masking stuff, which by the way, I, I'm just, I just don't understand how these people test you for COVID and then make you wear a mask, even though you don't have COVID. Right. Who, what, what am I protecting you from? <laughs> right. My breath? Right. Goodness. So anyway, I was sitting, I was sitting in this, um, in this green room. And the gentleman who was in there with me, he was, we got chatting and pretty clear that he was on the left. He was, he was pretty honest about that. I mean, he lives in LA, but then he was telling me some stories about uh, taking his children to the local swimming pool and some things that were happening there. And he said, you know, I agree with some of what you're saying, Sydney, and I inherently think that what they're doing to kids and what I'm seeing happen to my own children is horrifying, but he goes, I can't say anything. Mm. And I think that that exemplifies basically part of the heart of the issue. Do you think that we're coming to a point of critical mass on the gender stuff, on um, the pedophilia and the grooming and, and the rest of it? Are, are we coming to a place where people are waking up and going, all right, we are either at the line or we've crossed the line and we can't go any further than this? Are, are we at that place? If we're not, will we get to that place? Or is this something that the rest of us are going to have to navigate from here until until we die? <laughs> Um, okay, I am a glass half empty kind okay, of person, sure, sure. And, I, and I own that. I don't think we're at critical mass. And the reason I say that is because this is becoming much more socially acceptable. 
And I think that we're seeing that with the capitulation of, say, um, and this is a weird example, but the social media platforms that will ban you for saying the word groomer and will come after you. Even YouTube right. now will come after right. you for using the word groomer. So when they start to hide things and they start to use different terminology to describe things. So, for example, pedophiles aren't called pedophiles. They're called maps, minor attracted mm, people. Yep. I even just watched yep. um, another thing the other day of another. I think she was also a sexologist who was arguing in favor of pedophilia. Yeah. I think that these things are actually what are more and more commonplace. I mean, there's a lot of people who argue in favor of there's a couple pedophile um I guess they're called they're charities, uh, for lack of a better term, called Prostasia Before You Act. There's a handful of them that work alongside academics um, in trying to understand these issues. But in reality, all they're really doing is is sort of pushing a, a, the ideology that it's acceptable. Um, so I don't think we're at critical mass. Yeah. I actually I don't even think we've seen the half of how bad this can get, to be honest with you. In light of that, what does mm-hmm. Sydney Watson do? So half... A glass half full. Things are going to get worse. Um, what what is your strategy then going forward? What what do we do about it? I guess is the question. Yeah, no, that and that is a great question. And I freely admit when I don't have great answers to these things, but I'll tell you what how I sort of see things going and what I would encourage other people to do. So firstly, knowing your history is so important. Yes. When I started looking into the pedophile issue, when I found out there are all these players who determined all of these things that we see mm. now, I was like, oh my goodness. The second thing is shutting things down as soon as they crop up. Right. So a good example is um, when when I get called cisgender, I go, don't call me yeah, cisgender. Right. I, it's offensive. You will not do this. If I have to participate in your random ideology <laughs> right. of calling you whatever pronouns you want, you will not call me cisgender and you will not use. And when you tell people that that's, that was a term coined by a pedophile, they freak out and then they, they, they typically stop. So that's the other thing, shutting yeah, it down immediately. Nope, I will not be participating. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Then the other thing is for parents, I think parents very much need to be aware of what is happening. Proactivity with, with parenting is so important. And I say this to someone who doesn't have kids. So, you know, sometimes I go, what do I know? Uh, really? You're but, right. You're right. No, that's right. Yeah. They need to sort of take an active stance in their children's lives and also an active stance in keeping them away from bloody TikTok. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, if, if your kids are like in the TikTok land, but oh my right. God, that platform is one of the worst things to be happening to children. And I think parents need to take an active stance in going no TikTok. For my kids are not on no TikTok. Um, I have a TikTok account because of a lot of the stuff we do. We cut videos and push it, we will push it out. Yeah. That. So, but funny story, my, my 14 year old the other day, she found out I had a TikTok account and I don't do dance oh videos or any, I, I, it's, it's basically this, like we clip this and we push it out, right? And uh, she she was relentless making fun of me for having a TikTok account. She thinks it's the dumbest thing in the world. And that's because her mother has taught her how horrible it is. And so, uh, so she's definitely on the bandwagon. Um, it's like a weird microcosm of, of terribleness. It's cr- it, it, without it's, breaks. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, so many other things here. It's, it's a crazy time and I, I, we've got to figure out how to communicate the truth. And I guess, uh, communicate to people who either don't understand, as you mentioned, you know, a phrase like cisgender, it's come, it's, it's a pedophile phrase. We need to explain those things and understanding our history. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think there's a sense, and I, I think you're very good at this and the way you produce content, it's, it's very informative. It's very serious, but it's also entertaining. But I think in part, what that does is it gives courage to people who are mm-hmm. on the fence, who do know it's wrong, but don't want to say anything. Um, you know, those parents that you described, 
it's, it's encouraging. It's giving courage to people to stand up and do the right thing. And I think that's very important. Yeah. And I really appreciate you saying that because one of my primary motivations is not to basically be belligerent and, and force people to think like I do. I just want to be like, here's the information. What you take from this information is up to you. However, it's here. It's here in its entirety. I try to be very holistic in how I approach topics. And if I can't be, I, I point out the flaws. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to take a stand, you have to be knowledgeable. You have to sure. know what you're talking about. And you have to know sort of where you stand on an issue if you're going to take it down. I think the failing point, perhaps a little bit of, of the right wing, and people might get cross at me for saying this, but I just at least from my vantage point, as I've... I've, like I said, I've been going through this like metamorphosis of my opinions. And what I've realized is that some of them I don't feel comfortable expressing because I feel like there's going to be retribution from my own uh, team in the same way the yes. left feels about things. And I go, well, but what if what I have to say is valuable, but it just doesn't quite measure yeah. up? And I think that's the other thing. It's okay if what you say doesn't 100% measure up to what everybody else around you is saying, because we might be tribal, but we're nuanced. And everybody has different experiences and things that play into that. And so if somebody comes along and has a better way of dealing with something or a better way of talking about it, let them do that, even if it goes against the prevailing narrative. Yeah, that's good. We should be in pursuit of truth, not in pursuit of conformity or approval. Yeah, And I think we we get that upside down. Yes, that is so true. And that is such a great way of putting it. Yes, that that 100%. Yes, that is great. It's it's a lot easier to say than it is to live there, though, because we're always pressured by what people think. But... Oh yeah. I mean, like I, like I just said, I'm a, I'm a bit of a crybaby about this right now because there's a lot of like female only issues that I would love to talk about. But I, and in some ways, because I started off in the men's rights world and mm. I do care so deeply about men's rights. So I really, really do. I don't just say that. Right. Yeah. Essentially right. I just think, you know, speaking about things, even if it's uncomfortable is important. And I say this once again, as somebody who is finding that balance at the moment, but I encourage other people to do it too, because it is important. It's important to get your ideas out there and being fearful. You know what? Fearfulness is definitely, it it, it sort of cripples you in a lot of ways. And I just always encourage people just, just do it. Even if you're fearful of saying what you want to say, take a stand because it really matters. That's awesome. Uh, Sydney, where can people follow you? Um, I really do believe that the work you're doing is important. Um, Thank you. And you have a voice to a group of people that I don't, that a lot of other people don't, and uh, you need to continue doing it. Where can people follow you and, and learn more about what you're doing? Well, like you said, I have a very creatively named channel on YouTube called Sydney Watson, <laughs> where I make long-form content. Right. I'm trying to make more uh, fun content because I know I think people are a bit burned out politically at the moment, um, but I make long-form content about deep dive topics and about history and whatnot, so you can go find me there. Um, if you want to, if I, you know, you want to be mean to people, that's on Twitter. Um, sure. <laughs> you, people can just search me. I just say if you really want to find me, you'll just you'll you will you'll find me somehow. Or you know, there's always my website where we post everything, which is just sydneywatson.com. So yeah. use your name and you're going to find it all. Yes, exactly. Unless I'm shadow banned, in which case, probably not. Probably not, <laughs> but you'll find something else. Sydney, thank you yeah. so much. Um, I know you've been traveling and doing a lot of other stuff. Thanks for coming on and, and sharing with us. Really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Yes, ma'am. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, 
offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Grateful, of course, for that conversation. Sydney is very articulate on these issues, and I'm very thankful for the work that she does. And, and she explained this, but um, not just spouting off opinions or ideas or something that she heard. She spends so much time understanding historically why these things are happening and communicating those in a way that is understandable and actionable. Very grateful for that. Please check out her YouTube channel and the other um, areas that she mentioned, her Twitter uh, feed as well as her website. You'll be glad that you did. If you're not yet subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. You have the opportunity right now to do that right now. Right now you can do that. Go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a rating. If you would not mind, that would be fantastic. We'd love to get that. That helps us get out to more folks. And uh, I would encourage you as well to share this content out with those that you care about. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.